Drilling fluids touch just about everything in the drilling process. We're here to deconstruct the drilling process and drilling fluid concepts to provide a deeper understanding of our industry. In each episode, we'll share information, talk to interesting people, and maybe share a few stories along the way. Welcome to The Flow Line, a production of AES Drilling Fluids, brought to you by Matt Offenbacher and Justin Gautier. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Flow Line. Thanks for listening, everybody. Matt, how are you doing today? I'm not too bad. How are you, Justin? Doing well, doing well. And I have to say, uh, unfortunately, as a as a huge basketball fan growing up, I just want to send my condolences to all the people affected with the whole Kobe Bryant thing. If if you haven't heard, you definitely live under a rock or a sack of bearite. Um, but uh, sad news nonetheless. Yeah, I think it kind of shocked the world, made everybody be reminded that life is precious. That's right. And, uh, you know, and it just goes back to safety. I mean, anyone out there that's listening certainly drives. Uh, and for all those that go to and from the rig, just be mindful of weather conditions. Um, you know, we're getting, you know, we're getting through winter here, but always just, uh, you know, don't be in a rush to get somewhere, especially if weather's not exactly the way you like it. So I just wanted to, uh, to mention that. And again, I always ask, and we've had two very nice listeners actually leave a couple of reviews. Matt, do you think I should read them or what? Absolutely. Flatter us. <laughs> all right. Well, uh. The first one comes from JCH1986, mentions you guys do a great job. As a new Derek hand, this podcast has been a great tool for me, and I listen to it on the way to the rig every hitch. Keep them coming. That's awesome. We, uh, you know, it's, it's good to see that field folks are listening in on this, and hopefully we're continuing to educate them. And then we had another one come from Rod K3. Uh, said short and to the point, which we like, very informative and easy to listen. So those two listeners, we greatly appreciate it. Uh, um, Obviously, we didn't uh, catch the name, but uh, if you have any more insight or feedback, hit us up on LinkedIn. We're always willing to listen, but again, we certainly appreciate it. And if anyone else out there wants to support the show, please do us a huge favor, leave a review, and hopefully five stars. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And uh, we have our part two of our shale testing series on our tech tips have yes. come out. So we're doing our best to keep those coming. They're a bit of work, but hopefully you can see why. I mean, I hope it's apparent that they take some work. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, Andrew, uh, one of our technical support specialists took the reins on this one. I think he's a better graphic artist than any of us. <laughs> um, so we hope you enjoy that and learn something. Fantastic. Yeah. You can search them up on YouTube or if you go on LinkedIn under uh, the AES Drilling Fluids link, you can check it out. There'll be a link to the YouTube video. So uh, again, all the listeners out there, if you're interested in shale inhibition, we've got your back. And going forward, Matt, squeezes. I don't think we've covered that. I think we covered LCM, but to get specific with squeezes, I figured that's pretty important. And and it's something that, uh, you know, is, is is something that I actually experienced recently uh, actually right before Christmas time, got a phone call in the middle of the night. And I think it, well, in the middle of the night, it was like three ish something in the morning. Um, got a call from a drilling engineer and, uh, was three wayed with the superintendent in the field and said, called me and said, we need a squeeze procedure. What do you got? And so I had to get behind the computer and put whip one up and, uh, you know, we went ahead and applied it and it was successful, which was great. But I think going over, um, you know, what are LCM squeezes? You know, we can talk about, uh, you know, how they're applied, what goes into designing them, uh, and, and some, you know, what operationally we can expect and, and things to look out for. What do you think? 
Absolutely. I think it's an, it's an important topic and it, it doesn't come up often enough. Like you could get away probably most of your career without knowing a whole lot. And then just like scrambling to some references. Um, but uh, you know, they tend to be pretty expensive. There are some risks involved and I, I think it's worth diving into some of these, these niches of law circulation beyond just the big concepts. Of course. Well, why don't we go ahead and describe, Matt, what is a squeeze? So a squeeze is, in essence, a the, what we're talking about specifically is, is a type of fluid loss control pill that's designed to um, have a, a high fluid loss. So it, it defluidizes and all this solid material is packed into a large fracture opening, that sort of thing. So the typical application for these, we are on really serious losses, probably no returns or minimal returns. Um, and so we know we've got a pretty big void down there where all this fluid is, is being lost. Mm -hmm. Um, and by their very nature, you, you want them, what's interesting is, you know, we talk about bridging and sealing and that sort of thing. And that's fine for seepage losses where you kind of create a mat over a porous surface. This is, I want to pack a bunch of material in there and set it kind of as hard as possible so that it can't be disruptive and I won't have any leakage past it. Mm. Um, so, uh, you know, and there's a, there's a broad, uh, there, uh, high fluid loss squeezes are kind of one set of treatments when we're on a ton of losses. So you could have uh, like soft plugs or as we call them, like, um, you know, a, a bentonite diesel uh, DE kind of gunk type material. <laughs> yeah. Um, you can have hard plugs, which could be, you know, cement mixed with bayrite or, or a couple of other, you know, settable materials, uh, resins, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, here we're talking about basically that particulate material that you would squeeze in place. It would defluidize and set up for you. That makes sense. And so you mentioned being on total losses, but a lot of times they'll even pump them as preventative. I've know, you know, I've had history with different operators pumping shoe squeezes. Um, how would you describe something like that? So, I mean, I honestly, with a shoe squeeze, I looked at, at that more as a, um, a, well, we're strengthening opportunity for the most part. And, and okay, let's think about is our shoe, are we in a pretty good sand um, where we could drill out? We could just set a pill, basically perform a well, we're strengthening application where we apply that hoop stress, get that material in, a, in an induced fracture of a known expected width, and then test it again and make sure it's strong enough to drill ahead. Right. Um, these materials will do that. Um, the uh, the cost difference is significant, though. Um, so if if I can draw out the shoe and do a wellbore strengthening application, um, I can probably do that for orders of magnitude cheaper uh, than a high fluid loss squeeze. Um, but and and I'll also add with high fluid loss squeezes, um, not all of them impart compressive strength. Uh, we we have one that's that's coming onto the market where that the reason was we were somewhat dissatisfied with what was out there. Um, we don't pump these all the time. I don't, people don't sell this stuff left and right, mm -hmm. but, um, we, we just felt like we could add a little more value by making something that actually provided some strength, uh, when you squeeze it in between some rock that it acted more like rock than, yeah. uh, than like a mat of material. Sure. Um, so there's, there's a few ins and outs if you tried to squeeze into a casing shoe, but it is certainly possible to do it successfully. Um, people do it all the time. Yeah. Um, but there, there may be a cheaper route if they've got a decent sand there that we could work with. Gotcha. So, uh, you're drilling along, you know, you're, you hit some losses, you pump your typical LCM sweep, 
maybe you spot something that you know doesn't plug the tools that doesn't work like you mentioned this is kind of your last resort so what would you how would you describe the the particle size distribution with something like a typical sweep versus something like this is this just all coarse material to plug up big you know uh big fractures or do you still have a wide range or how how would you describe that i mean it depends on what you're actually pumping uh so there's a lot of these, depending on whether they're chemically reactive, a lot of them are, are just blends of inert materials, but they'll have fairly coarse materials. The, the, the main thing you have to keep in mind is because it's designed to defluidize, uh, this is something you're going to run on open-ended pipe. Sure. Um, and you're going to want every, uh, you know, every strainer, every screen, anything like that that's in, in the drill pipe needs to come out. Because, yes, uh, I do recall working in Indonesia once, and a third party came and pumped their squeeze, and it defluidized in the pipe. Um, and hearing the stories of having people trying to come up with 30-foot-long poles to basically, joint by joint, get this garbage out as they pulled out and laid down all this packed-up pipe. Mm, um, Jeez. It, yeah, you, you just imagine what a nightmare it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a little different from that perspective. Sometimes, you know, a lot of them can have things like shredded up paper along with particles and, and that right. sort of thing. You know, like we've talked about before, typically you go, you know, bigger as, as losses get bigger. But um, with these as well, you want some materials that will kind of pack between the grains. So you'll have a pretty broad distribution, but you're going to have some pretty big stuff in there. I got you. One thing that I came across, this is early in my mud engineering days, uh, actually it was a project that we were assigned to in mud school, uh, was coming up with a, uh, a cross-link polymer squeeze. Do you have any yeah. experience with that? So, um, it's funny. I just got a text earlier today about a, a cross-link polymer application. Um, oh, okay. So, uh, they're out there. Uh, they're quite expensive. My experience has been with having them, the, the chemicals have a limited shelf life. And so you have these very expensive and sometimes sometimes fairly less eco-friendly materials. Um, And it's almost kind of like cement where it it sets into a fairly hard plug, but you've got to mix it in a pit. There's accelerants and retarders. You've got to get it in place. You don't want to just set up in the wrong place. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm not, I I think they work. I think the reason you don't see them is the material that goes into them are expensive. The application cost is expensive and there's a lot of concern about where they actually set up, but yeah. there's a few outfit fits that are fairly famous for kind of their borate cross-linked kind of pills, and 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 they're cool. Like if you ever get to see them, squeeze them a little bit. They yeah, um, and and some of them, you know, they offer some acid solubility and some other things. Which I'm a little skeptical of the utility of that, but but they're out there. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Something to keep in mind. Uh, so we talked a little bit about how they work. How do we actually apply a squeeze? So um, I guess, obviously, it's it's all about the procedure. And I, everybody's going to have a little something different on their procedure. Uh, but the key is to make sure everybody's on board with it. Mm-hmm. We have open-ended pipe, um, maybe a, you know, a bypass sub, which... Uh, basically it's a, it's a ball activated tool that if you happen to have it in the string, it isolates all your jewelry. And so, and so basically you drop a ball, you can pump fluid out the side of, of a a circulating port and it all bypasses all the stuff. You don't want this stuff to hang up in. 
And then once you've spotted it and squeezed it, you can drop another ball and close that and go back to circulating down the bit. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, that's a good tool to have. Another important thing is have a pretty good idea of where your loss zone is. Right. Um, And there's a couple of reasons for that. You know, one is obviously you want to place the material. This stuff's not cheap, so put it in the right location. But the other thing is, uh, you know, it's possible if you don't know where you're losing and then you go do a squeeze, which means you shut the backside and pressure up, that if you're not in your loss zone, you could get stuck. Right. Um, So we don't want that to happen either. Um, and, and so that it, it's there, you can run a temperature log, which basically you can see that cool fluid keeps going into the same spot. It's a good indicator of, of where your losses are. Right. Um, but, but there are definitely ways to isolate that if you don't already have a pretty strong level of confidence. Yeah. Um, and, and I know, so we, again, with some work that we have out in West Texas, uh, in the intermediate section, off its time, oftentimes it's, we've had challenges locating losses and we've actually had to spot. Uh, and do some hesitation squeezes in the intermediate sections there. And that's, you know, whenever we're losing and we're having these discussions, you know, it sounds funny, but in some cases, we don't know whether we're losing above us or we're losing at the bit. Uh, You know, we kind of go through our checks and balances, but just the nature of the beast out there, it's oftentimes, you know, you know your formations that you're susceptible to taking losses. But when you look back at, you know, sort of the events leading up to it oftentimes it doesn't point in that direction and there's really no smoking gun and so you're kind of taking a guess and what you know what we talked about in the situation i was in was you're you're on such a slim ecd window like you said you don't want if if you spot the material somewhere where it's not losing you pressure it up well then do you you may induce more losses or get stuck or you know so taking the time to to really identify where you're losing can certainly save a lot more headache and you're going to hopefully not spend nearly as much as if you would, if you ended up inducing something else down the road. So, uh, there's certainly some things and the operator will typically have, uh, different methods of doing that. But, uh, you know, if, if you're on the mud side, just be, you know, make sure communication levels are extremely high at the rig and, and, and that everyone is aware of where these losses are, at least agrees on it. That way, everyone's on on the same page with regards to where you're actually going to spot this thing. Yeah, and and a lot of times, I mean, like you said, there can be pretty mixed messages coming from from what the formation's telling you. You know, if if all of a sudden you have this increase in ROP or so, you know, some indicator that you probably drilled through a fault, or um, you know, okay, it's likely on bottom where you're losing. Um, if it's ECD driven, you're you're tripping, you're waiting up something like that where you likely induced a fracture, you're probably higher up, closer towards the shoe in a, in a weaker zone, and, and maybe you can narrow that down. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's tricky because usually if you ask three different people on the rig at the time, you'll get five different answers. <laughs> right. Um, so you you just got to be careful. Um, and, and, you know, and that, I mean, look, that's all we've started with we haven't even gotten to an actual pumping procedure, right? Right, right. So, well, let's um, talk a little bit about that. If, if, if you know, if I think we're quite, uh, I think we're ready to talk about that. We talked a little yeah. bit about, you know, sort of leading up to it, what you what you need to look for, what kind of material you may be pumping. But you know, it all comes down to the procedure. You could have all the best products on location, but unless you spot it correctly, you know, you, you know, we can talk about it. But let, let's talk about the steps, kind of going in, you know where you put your pipe and then kind of the, the high level, uh, steps going after that. Sure. Um, you know, and, and like we said, these, these can vary quite a bit, but, um, you want to get your BH 
BHA, you know, at or above the loss zone, and then we can kind of stock, you know, start talking about pumping. So you're going to mix this. Normally, you can mix these things, and if it's not a chemically reactive material, you can leave it in, you know, agitating around for a while. Um, believe it or not, a lot of these can be just pumped out of, you know, using fresh water or, or base oil as the carrier, mm-hmm. uh, whether you're on oil-based or water-based mud losses. Um, it's it's worth noting that, you know, if you're losing that much anyways, if you're just trying to keep the hole full, um, obviously you have to keep in mind what that means for well control and, and that sort of thing. But um, these material, these pills typically can be weighted up. My observation, I feel like something that the squeeze providers have not been very forthcoming about is they all have these tables on how to weight up these pills and, oh yeah, you can weight it up to whatever you want. And that's true. But they don't seem to work as well when you have Bayrite in the mix. Mm. Um, not always, but um, it, it's one of those, I think it's worth taking a look at or, or, or asking, have you tested this? You tell me it's got great unconfined compressive strength, but have you tested it with, you know, at what weight did you test it? Sure. Um, but a lot of times because of your situation, you're full well able to pump with just a, using some kind of base fluid. Gotcha. Um, okay. So let's see. Um, you know, you're going to pump, you're going to pump this, uh, into the string. You're going to chase it with mud. Um, definitely be flushing your pit with whatever residue was in it. Um, as you chase, um, and pump everything until it's, it's cleared the bit. Um, I also think, so some of these say, oh, you know, keep a half a barrel inside. I'm terrified of that. I, my policy has always been to over displace, okay. get, get the squeeze, you know, three to five barrels out the end of the string with the idea it'll fall into the loss zone. Even if you have your BHA up in casing, cause you're losing at the shoe. When you pump down the backside, you'll push this stuff in. Um, but, uh, I don't want to set anything up inside drill pipe. Sure. So, and of course I say bit in this term, but let's assume we're running open-ended pipe cause that's a much safer bet. Yeah. Um, this stuff can defluidize across nozzles. I mean, a lot of them will seal, um, really well. Ours is designed to seal over 5,000 microns, which is a huge fracture width. Yeah. And is about the size of some bit nozzles. Sure. Um, so, uh, you know, even if, even if you gain returns, don't stop pumping. You want to get this stuff out of the string. It's got to get into the annulus. Okay. Um, and then, um, you know, you know um, once again, be very, very careful. Like what, it, you know, if you have any equipment, but, um, you know, uh, let's see. So lining up to pump down, you're going to pump down the drill pipe and the annulus simultaneously. BOP closed. We're not going to pump too hard of a rate, um, and we want to squeeze away part of this at least, right? We want it to defluidize. So even if all of a sudden, well, oh, we're on losses, we're not on losses anymore, something like that, you want to defluidize some of this material into the formation, even if even if it's so great and it works after pumping two barrels and you pumped a hundred barrel pill. Yeah, get some of it in there. Okay, um, it, this may come back on you, but um, pressure up, hold the pressure, monitor it, and um, you know hold the pressure for probably four hours, um, I would say, and see if you remain static. But if that pressure starts to bleed off, um, then you're probably going to need to do another treatment. Um, uh, you know, pump, pump another barrel or half a barrel, um, of pressure up against it, wait 15 minutes, um, and do that, uh, 
you know, keep trying for another four to six hours until you've squeezed all this material away. So the other thing is, this is kind of like stuck pipe, which I don't, I don't know if we've done an episode on stuck pipe. We'll have to tackle that at some point. Yeah. I would say that's something Um, important, but it's kind of one of those, like, you know, you're stuck. And so everybody's very anxious to get unstuck and everybody's doing everything they can think of, but sometimes patience is part of it. Right. Um, this is one of those, we're on a ton of losses and patience is part of curing them. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, when, and when you say pressure up, is it, I mean, I've seen anywhere from a hundred, 150 PSI. I mean, I guess it depends, but is that a typical pressure that you'd normally see at the rig? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think it just kind of depends on what, what everybody's looking for. Um, right. you know, and it depends on the nature of the losses themselves, right? Cause you may want pressure above a certain, uh, overbalance so you may want you may want as high as 300 psi or 500 psi mm-hmm. um so it just depends it's a conversation you have to have right um and once again the higher you know the bigger the margin you go on that overbalance pressure it gives you a better safety margin but it also means it may be more difficult to achieve sure right yeah um, that makes sense you know i would say that that one thing is a lot of these procedures have um you know and for our products we have very specific squeeze procedures this is very generic but Mm -hmm. there are different nuances to it the ones that sort of drive me nuts are the ones where they're like pump three strokes reset counter um i don't know if any drillers listen to this but um i'm very hard pressed to know of a driller who can can or is willing to be like oh yeah sure we'll just pump three strokes (laughs) uh normally it takes a bit more than that they just don't have that level of control um and so it's just unrealistic and unfair to put that in a program and pretend like people can follow it. Yeah. And, and I think the, the idea behind that is, is you don't want to just put, cause if you're all, if you're on major losses, obviously you don't want to induce more loss. So I think a lot of times people like squeeze a little bit, pressure up, hesitate, wait and see what happens, squeeze a little bit more. And you kind of like inch your way into it. And again, I think a, depending on the drilling engineer that, you know, the company rep, the superintendent, all we can do is provide a guideline, but ultimately if they've had success with a certain squeeze procedure, I don't think you're about to get in a peeing match with how it's going to be done as long as everyone agrees to it and, and looks at, you know, all angles and takes into consideration a lot of different variables. Cause us on the mud side, we see it different than perhaps the driller, perhaps the, you know, drilling engineer. But uh, again, there's, I guess what I'm trying to say, there's, there's nothing in stone. So if you're listening to this, don't write that down and run to your company rep and say, this is how a squeeze needs to be done because these are guidelines. And then there's so many different ways to attack this. Right. And uh, you know, it's one of those pump a half a barrel, pump a barrel, see what happens. Right. And right. Uh, the, the point is to be consistent and track what you did, right. Because you're, you're monitoring pressures. You're trying to see how the formation is responding. Um, you know, a lot of these times too, you're concerned about, is anything coming back up at me? Um, so, uh, but the procedure is important. Everybody needs to be on the same page. Um, and typically, I mean, you're, you're pumping a lot of these at at really low rates once, um, you know, when you inject it, it may be a quarter of a barrel a minute. You know, these are patients care, you know, caution, um, and hopefully it's going to solve the problem. Most definitely. So let's, let's assume, and let's be optimistic because they always work. So let's say you go ahead, you, you establish, you know, you squeeze, you hold pressure, everyone claps, you come out of the hole, you go back in, you know, you stage in, whatever the case may be. Well, you start drilling past your loss zone and you're holding returns. 
uh, is there anything to be mindful of as you're going through there with your BHA? Do you keep pumping sweeps? I mean, I know the whole conditions are going to dictate that, but, but as a general rule of thumb, Matt, what would you recommend on that? So I think there's the psychology, the, the, the mindset thing where it's like, everybody's going to want to put something in the mud now. Yeah. Right. But if you were on total losses and nothing cured it, it was probably a fracture, whether it was you know, drilling induced to the wrong place, wrong time, or you, you drilled into something. Um, I, I'm not quite sure if any of the material you put in as background is going to protect you, <laughs> right. but I also think that someone will be like, we got to do something. Um, and so at that point, you know, the coarsest biggest, you know, material that you can drill ahead with in, in sweeps or some kind of treatment. And, but mostly I think it's just be careful. Um, proceed with caution, uh, and, and see where that takes you. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's, well, you probably end up pumping another squeeze if you ever encountered anything like that. Cause everything else has failed. That's normally why we're in, in squeeze territory. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And one thing that, you know, something to keep in mind and we, he already said it, proceed with caution, but you know, especially when you get that BHA going across that, that loss zone or wherever you squeezed, uh, that's where you're, you know, your ECDs are going to be extremely high around there. So, you know, if you can slowly, if you can somehow drill past it at a reduced rate and then sort of ramp up your, your flow rate, again, this is subject to whatever's going on at that, you know, at the rig level, but just, just understand that as you're going through there, uh, you got to just be, you know, either control drill or control till you get past that. That way your BHA is cleared of it. You get back into your, you know, your drill pipe, uh, to where you have a larger annulus and, and then you can kind of, you know, go from there and hopefully it's cured. But, you know, sometimes going back there, you don't want to reintroduce losses because then you introduce a whole another headache. But, uh, yeah. And I mean, I mean, I'll just add, you know, our guys have, have actually developed squeezes that they isolate by, you know, especially in the Permian where we see this a lot, they, they've got one for the Midland basin and they have a procedure, um, for the Delaware basin. And it's just based upon the geology there and what they know and what they see. Of course. Um, and I've just looked at it now, you know, one of them does recommend some sweeps. Um, they do have some, some pressures. We'll, you know, we'll keep that to our AES selves, but uh, sure. we certainly have some solutions out there uh, based upon what we've learned. And like you said, sometimes it's just what the formation tells you. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, and if that doesn't work, everybody, you can always go to that gray mud called cement. And we hopefully we never have to get there, but that's obviously an option. And, you know, most definitely if you can get, if you can uh, successfully apply an LCM squeeze provided by the drilling fluids company, that's the way to go. Um, Because if not, you're adding a significant amount more time and costs involved with going with, you know, going with cement. So uh, like Matt, you know, iterated is is taking your time because if you can cure it, and even if it takes a lot longer doing it the first time, doing it right, it's a heck of a lot less than having to go in with cement. Cause, and then, you know, example, uh, you know, there's, I've heard and have been a part of where that doesn't work and then you have to cement back and then you have to kick off. Well, then the kickoff goes not very well just because there's directional challenges. And then next thing you know, you're four days deep all because your squeeze didn't work. So it's certainly something that can save you. Yes. And, and as a mud provider, I enjoy the most when the first squeeze didn't work and then you get to bring your squeeze out and it's successful. And it's <laughs> yeah. like, do I get all the credit or was it both of ours kind of one on top of the other? <laughs> right. Um, I will take all of the credit, all of but, um, I don't know if, I don't, I don't know if that passes, uh, everybody's 
you know, scorecard that way. <laughs> right. Well, Matt, is there anything else? I mean, I think we hit most of the high level stuff and obviously if anyone has any questions, they can, they can ask or if they, if anyone's got some interesting stories with different squeezes that they've pumped or if there's some interesting technology out there that you think we should be aware of, let us know. But uh, Matt, is there any other messages you'd like to relay? No, I mean, I think it, to me, it's all about the procedure, knowing what you're doing to avoid mistakes. And this is the last resort before cement, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, we want to give it the best shot it can to succeed because we all know how miserable it can be when you have to set a cement plug and try and get around it. So. No kidding. Well, with that being said, if anyone has any questions, hit us up on LinkedIn, or you can send us an email at the flowline podcast at aesfluids.com. As we mentioned at the beginning, everyone, please be safe out there and uh, love the loved ones. Have a good one. Take care. Thanks for listening. Please tune in next week for another exciting episode of The Flow Line. And remember, may your returns always be full and your trips always smooth. Views expressed in this program belong to participants and not their employees. The program is for informational purposes only and cannot take the place of seeking professional advice. Copyright AES Drilling Fluids.